What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? You know, I just felt like, um, because I know that you've really been enjoying making the cut, and I eventually got roped into it by Jeremy. And so then I began mm-hmm. watching it, and I watched the finale last night, and I felt like we should talk about it. So you didn't watch most of it, but you watched the finale. No, I watched from, like, six episodes ago. Okay, that's more than enough. I watched to see, I watched to see people's progressions, or not, or, right. or what people decide to do or need to do really to have the quote-unquote global brand. Right. I mean, that's really... Talk again. Okay. Talk again. Okay. Jack and I are having volume issues just before we get deeply into this conversation about cable TV fashion. Um, How's that? It's the same. It's fine. It's just Anyways. driving you nuts that yeah, I'm going to have to be in both both earphones for you while we talk so that like Jeremy doesn't have to do a whole re-editing deal. It's literally like you're in my head. You're literally in the middle of my brain. You know, my, my hearing's been all wonky tonky since chemotherapy. So. Oh really? I, Oh yeah. In what way? My, it's incredibly overly sensitive. Like going into a restaurant is like, absolutely not. (laughs) No, thank you. Or like mm. when people put on loud music, I'm like, you're, are you unwell? Like, this is absurd. Like when people are just talking to me, but there's loud music in the background, I'm like, you do know I cannot hear you. I only hear the music. And as, was that something that they said was from your chemo that your doctors said? Um, I think it's a common side effect. I actually learned about it from another friend who went through a lot of chemo and he was like, my hearing is so crazy. I'm like, oh, likewise. Also, chemo can give auditory hallucinations. Have you ever had that? No. (laughs) Are you sure? There hasn't been someone who's been like, read. You're like, hello? No one. (laughs) No, but I can be at a restaurant and hear everyone around me except the person who's talking. Right. It messes up your stereo. And so every I'm very everything seems very loud to me nowadays. I'm so sorry. It's okay. That's, I'm I'm dealing with least, your loudness right now. I <laughs> well, as you as you have to anytime we speak. But at least you're in LA where it's hopefully quiet in the house you're in. Well, it isn't, it isn't. It's very quiet in terms of there's not like the sounds of traffic or anything like that. But my house is on an alley, and so the garbage trucks go by on Monday, and it's the whole house shakes. You never feel it's wow. insane. Because, I mean, it's not like the garbage truck is downstairs. It's like the garbage truck is is literally touching the wall of the house, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, because the alley. Oh, wow. Um, and then the house has noises of its own, like the the hot water heater makes quite a few noises, and... But other, yeah, I, I don't mind. The birds are wild here in LA. The birds are also wild upstate. I will say now that it's spring, but it's. Do you know what I I learned from another podcast that birds generally quiet themselves based on how much sound and action there is in the space around them. They get quieter, and because there is no action around them now, they feel very free to be incredibly loud and verbose. Well, and also something that they supposedly that I also learned from this NPR 
It was about the guy who invented, I'll never remember this. It was a kind of musical instrument that started to be used more in the 70s that was a synth thing. And what he had done was recorded different animals mm. as a way of making this. And what he discovered was that animals also will find a way to try to all talk at once but not be the loudest and therefore oh, to be picked out. So they'll try and make a blanket of sound uh, while communicating with each other so that uh, a predator doesn't come and get them. Um, yum, 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 yum. Okay, anyways, back to making the cut finale. So my first question for you about this show is, did you like this show? I I got involved in the show, and I liked oh. aspects of it, but I have to say the finale really illuminated for me exactly what the show is about at its dark dark heart and i <laughs> and it made me it made me sad because yep. it was really at times very promising i was like oh wow this show like is much more sophisticated than project runway in the way that they treat the designers like designers and allow them to have seamstresses and they're making tech packs and it's, and they're more professional. They're people who are more established, blah, blah, blah. And I did feel the quality of designers was a lot better. I mean, right. it, it was more at the level of that other show with Tan France. Can you just a second? I'm I taking heard that bird. Me. I heard it. I heard it. It's, it's, not, it's not a bird. It's not a bird. Oh, <laughs> I heard that incredible bird. No, it's a Mila dryer. Fancy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, so at any rate, I, I, I did like the show and, and I think it's overproduced. I think there's a little bit, there's too much in the way of like, every person gets their own font when we do like these stories about them that are supposed to be inspirational. And I'm like, literally none of this is inspirational. None of these people are inspirational. Like all of these people are just regular or spoiled, you know, mm-hmm. it's not even like Sander who was like flipping burgers. Oh. I'm like, literally you live in Belgium and your family's obsessed with you and like nothing bad will ever happen to you. And that's great. Like I relate to that experience, uh-huh. but at the same time, I'm just like, these shows are always trying to make the stakes so high. And I'm like, mm. it's not really, I mean, the person that they awarded the $1 million was the person who needed it absolutely the least. The person with the most infrastructure, the person who was doing the least creative thing in order to reap the greatest benefits. And they, of course, Amazon, who's making the show, would give it to him because he's the safest. Yeah, well, that was, I was kind of curious, though, that if, I mean, it it wasn't really Amazon that, gave it to him. What was interesting about the, whoever the woman was who met with them about, you know, she, she interviewed them about what they would do with a million dollars. And actually she, when she stepped away, I really felt like I related to her because she was like, well, Esther actually had a plan and um, Johnny doesn't. And then all of a sudden, all the design, you know, the whatever, not the designers, the judges the were like, judges. they were like, caw, 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 caw. And she was like, okay, but bye. And she just like walked I out of the room. I honestly think that was a diversion because that woman was from Amazon, right? Uh-huh. She was their marketing clothes fashion director. Uh-huh. And I think that she, the Amazon people were like, Johnny has to win. And here's how you're going to have to make that happen. 
And so when Nicole Richie cast that last vote, I was like, that's not who Nicole wants to vote for. I'm like, she's literally being forced by the producers to vote for this guy. Because I don't believe that Heidi and Naomi would vote for Esther and then Joseph and that crazy influencer girl and Nicole would all vote for Johnny. I was like, no, that's not. I was like, this has been set up by the Amazon people because Johnny is going to sell the most units on Amazon. Right. Right. He, that is so interesting that you think Nicole, that it was, that it came from Nicole. That's, I, I didn't think about that. I really, I didn't think I about that there it. wasn't free will. So that you, so you think Nicole was completely just pushed by the producers into doing it. I mean, it's hard to say, but I don't believe that those judges in real time, just sitting there being like, I haven't changed my mind. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I feel like, well, but it was Naomi was like, I have changed my well, mind. She always like every episode. She like, she can't say anything without it being a fight. Even if she, no one's fighting with her, they're all like, I have to say that ha- my hook into the show was she Naomi was Campbell. absolutely like, the best part. She, I completely loved her energy. I loved everything she said. I felt she was very honest. I also felt she knew the business better than everyone combined. Well, I don't know if that's true, but she did but not she Tim. did say it the loudest. You know, she always she was the most <laughs> assertive. Tim was the most pathetic person on the show. I feel like he was so desperate for like to play this character that everybody loves and respects and cherishes and he dotes on them and he cries all the time and none of them actually cared about mm. him. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I think that that has been a big shift in the Project Runway history because it's been going on for like 20 years now and I think Tim initially was like very stern and he was still working at Parsons and he was more just somebody to keep them on track. And then at a certain point he took on like a fatherly role and now they've, he really amps that up in the show. Yeah. As as he says, he's like, I'm, I'm just like this nervous fairy godmother to my, to these adults that sprung out of my body in the last (laughs) six months. You know, <laughs> and it's it's extra crazy to watch him playing, you know, mentor to these people who already are established and gifted. It's not like on Project Runway where people are literally like, well, I sewed in my garage for two years and now I'm on Project Runway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. I, I think I had far more love for those contestants and that uh, I enjoyed that more. Um, this. This season now, I didn't, so I didn't watch the whole thing, as I said, because I just simply couldn't care um, until I, until Jeremy really was like, you have to watch Naomi's comments. You'll really appreciate her. And and I need you to watch how it goes through and why. Um, The finale, I felt, um, well, it felt like watching a stylist win, actually. It wasn't about a designer. It was about a stylist and um, someone who... And I, it was so weird because I felt like through the series, they kept being like, you know, I bought that. I bought that two years ago. You know, he'd make something and they'd be like, oh, I bought that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I felt like even just watching it come down, I was, I, I thought this, I've seen all, all, all of it. I mean, in the end, that's what actually was important was that Johnny was making right. clothes that people felt familiar with. And that like the universe of Johnny was pretty clear and it was merchandised and 
I mean, his pop-up shop was hideoso. I was like, this is a store I would never walk in in my whole life with those stupid butterfly black mannequin thing set up. I was like, this is... And, oh... Honey. For him and Esther, mind you, to ha- come into this final, these final two episodes with all of this like life inspiration, hungry for life. No, I'm sorry. Right. Uh, forks yeah. and spoons. No, I'm sorry. Nicole Richie, <laughs> she had the best line in the whole series during that fashion show when she goes, she goes, you know, I never thought I'd like cut out pants with forks and spoons. You know what I mean? I was like. <laughs> I do know what you mean, Nicole. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I have. Well, and I will say that while I found Esther's work continually, I mean, Aval, it's in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. It's all black. It's the silhouettes were all interesting, more, you know, more Mm -hmm. interesting. I, I love a I love a hard fabric with a soft over it. Like I like all of that I thought was really beautiful and brilliant. And at the same time, I was like, wow, girl, did you want to win? Cause like they've said to you all, it seems like I mean I said I've only watched the last six episodes, but it seems like they were kept saying, Can you put color yeah. in it? And she would be like, Well, here's gold. I honestly think that if she had put two colors in her collection she would have won Mm -hmm. because uh, clearly the amazon fashion marketing director is obsessed with color and print she is a barbie doll who only wears colors and prints like absolutely crazy esther's she was also the most out of anyone that i that i saw them meet with absolutely the most ai oh she's an android for sure she's not real i was like this is incredible she's like i also I, loved how heidi klum sang song sing songed um well come up here and talk because this is we're gonna figure out who gets one million dollars oh and the way <laughs> the way she sang it made me feel like it's um you know it's like if you have like 10 grand in your bank account and you are like I'm going to give one of my friends $10 and to watch her and Naomi shop at the pop-up shops and be like $350. I'll take both. Like, I mean, I understand that their, their experience of numbers and fashion is far different than a normal consumer, but it was a little crazy mm. for them to be like, Oh my God, two models in pop-up shops. Watch out. Everybody we will take one of everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was really fun to watch Naomi and Heidi try clothes on together. And I do have to say that the most important and shocking part of that whole two episode finale was Heidi's iridescent clamshell boob clamp dress. <gasps> it was, who do you know no, who did it? No, it was psychotic. I was like, well, A of all, Heidi, you are way too old to wear that dress. And B of all, like you, your styling for that Halloween costume is absolutely incorrect absolutely incorrect that's okay so how should it have gone well if she was gonna choose to wear that i loved that dress i loved it it was a huge distraction i loved it it was like this finale (laughs) about these two designers and she's like guess what no one's gonna remember you guys because i wore this insane dress that literally squashed my breasts so far together that you can literally everyone's waiting to see a nipple everyone's waiting it was it was incredible i will say that I, so in terms of what the judges wore, 
I will never forget Heidi's, um, you know, Halloween uh, mermaid costume, like Venus uh, clamshell costume. It was so, like, it was really, I also had just watched the most recent Drag Race that Jeff Goldblum was oh, on. Oh, wow. I have, to, I have to just take a moment right now to say Jeff Goldblum has turned into the absolute daddy The dream. sexiest man alive. Like, He's so sexy. Yeah. He has this way of a kind of laconic way of speaking, which is just really just dreamy, dreamy. And this isn't going to be a spoiler for you. I, I just have to bring it up on this podcast during the lip sync for their lives. Mm-hmm. He cries. I don't watch Drag Race. so. Oh, wow. <laughs> and nothing against it. It's just, it makes me, it's a show that, I there's too much catching up to do and it does occasionally make me sad that show because um I do feel all a lot of the contestants are so deeply um troubled. You would love Heidi in Closet or whatever her what I mean RuPaul's like we are taking her drag name is Heidi in Closet and she's but every week RuPaul changes the last name because she's like it can't be Heidi in Closet. It's a terrible drag name. <laughs> so she's like, like one week she was like, hey, Heidi Ho, because that's another one you could choose. Um, but Jeff Goldblum cried in the in the lip sync off and it was so sexy. <laughs> Anyhow, um, RuPaul does come out in this uh, uh, iridescent, incredible, you know, Zaldi genius. Like he probably had to like make it in, you know, two hours. Mm. Um, dress and Jeff Goldblum just goes off about he's like wow you were a iridescent statuesque goddess from my dream like he says this you know some crazy line of poetry and I did think oh how fun to watch first Rue and then Heidi in iridescent I also loved what Nicole Richie was wearing she's and I thought Nicole's makeup beautiful. was incredible she's and I think great. Nicole looks incredible that influencer in that weird no. backless red dress that she then sort of somehow began to cave more and more in on herself as the show mm-hmm. progressed. Um, she, she you know, was, I just like, I, I, especially now with the amount of screen time and Instagram and YouTube that I'm experiencing, I'm like, who, how do people become instantly famous? Like this woman who's like, Hello, I'm from Italy. I like fashion dress. Yes, you know. And then she's like the most followed fashions influencer in the world. I'm like, how is that possible? I also am completely confused by her career. And I was also not confused, but I just could never bear um, uh, Balthazara or whatever that guy, that queen's Joseph name was. Joseph Balthazara. Uh, yeah, he's like, he's literally a designer who's never made a collection that's I've liked. And I've, honestly, mm-hmm. for many years, watching his collections come down the runway as like a very young, successful designer, I was like, what on earth is happening? Who is wearing and buying these ugly, ugly clothes that look so forced and so incongruous, so strange? But he got famous. Anna Wintour was on his side. He's very charming and pretty. And it, it all worked out for him. Yeah, it was. But it was interesting in terms of that last episode, because you could just feel him being like, look, I know what it is to sell out. And we have to go with the person who's going to sell out. Exactly. Joseph like, was like, I learned from Anna Wintour how 
to ruin fashion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. take away the art of it and totally buy into the capitalism. And of he it. said it in an earlier episode. He was like, you know, I used to make things like this and that. And Naomi or Heidi was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And then I realized that I wanted money. And so I figured out a way to have it all become more basic. <laughs> yeah, and, that's true. And the fi- this final episode felt like that. It felt like this thing of, look, we need to go with something that everyone was wanted 10 years ago. And because that's what a global market means. And um, it's really important that you don't get an A, but that you get a B for basic. Right. And also Amazon was like, how perfect this guy already has his own like integrated factory structure in Bali. We don't have to do anything to get this thing right. off the road. We're going to give him a million dollars. He's going to pick up his numbers and he's going to sell it on Amazon because of this show. And yeah, that's- his, his last monologue was incredibly American. It was just how I knew he was going to win. Like when he spoke to them and it was like listening when they were like, why should you win? And he was like, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Right. Like it was just, it, it was a real um, route. Right. Uh, uh, throw a bunch of words that talk mm-hmm. about the, the verticality of what I'll do with this money. I loved, um, um, I loved the, the severity of Esther's PowerPoint for the Amazon lady the, in the tones uh, of gray. I was like, this is truly insane. It, well, and it was a real, like you can't win. She's not amazon.com. For sure. No. And no. I wish we'd gotten to see Sander do a presentation to that woman. And I actually think Sander could have sold a ton of clothes. Um, but I did understand why the judges were like, you're too young. You're you're a little all over the place. Well, he did a pop-up shop of t-shirts. I mean, I... I I know that was really disturbing how they had tailors tailoring t-shirts. I was like, this is a play. Like this isn't really happening. This is crazy. Yeah. It was a misstep. That was his misstep. Just like Esther's was not like putting like a streak of neon in anything. Right. But I did like the t-shirt dresses. I thought they were fun and a lot of people would love to wear those. I mean, it was a good idea. It just had almost nothing to do with, well, not nothing to do, but it just wasn't related to how kooky he'd been being the whole season. And then suddenly he was like, yeah. oh, I have to sell something. Oh, I'll make really cool T-shirt dresses. I was like, well, right. it's a pretty good idea. And also, like, his was the only pop-up shop that I was like, oh, that looks actually cool. Like, that looks right. like it's from now, like, today. I was really today. into Sander. I was really into Sander. I was really... I was, I was, I was here for her. She was funny. Yeah. Well, she was I a also, little bit too like, I'm young, I'm young, <laughs> I'm a young queen, queen, and I'm she young. And she was also very much like, um, ugh, it's so boring to have to do what everyone else is doing. They're so boring and dumb. Yeah. Like, and he was right. that was also, that was also kind of continual. And, um, it was, God, but remember when Johnny couldn't make garments and so Esther came over and sewed it? Remember that? Remember when Johnny was not going to finish his three looks? And he's like, I'm just going to have to do two. Oh. And then Esther came over and sewed it. And then the the other woman who had been watching the whole thing was like, "Um, he can't even like finish his work. The show's not and, about sewing. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Well, but the woman was like, it was about time management. Right. And, uh, and she, it felt like she had this kind of Cassandra thing of like, Esther's going to kick herself for that. Right. No, Whoever it's that fine. other woman was, I can't remember. 
Anyway, I just wanted to get your take on it because, you know, I I can't really speak about fashion. You can. Um, no, I can't really. I only, I only really, in terms of any shows that I've seen this past year, it's re- I only ever watched the CDG and Gucci show. And then this past year, I obviously watched Marks because I wanted to see the choreography. Um, it's not like I was going to be like, oh, yay. I mean, it was, but his like every look from Hollywood. Right. Show though I love I, the handkerchief I headbands. Absolutely hate that hat that Esther wears incessantly. That like that sure. driver's hat, that policeman's cap. I'm like, how sure. how all is it even staying on the back of your head like that? all please stop pinning it. Yeah, literally, are you pinning that ugly hat on your head every day? Unbelievable. It was a look. It was a look. You oh, know, I it found, was. I didn't. The problem was I didn't. I didn't like her. I thought the whole hungry for life thing was a little bit body shaming because she's fully anorexic and she's like, I'm actually hungry for food. (laughs) (laughs) So crazy. I'm like someone that someone like you should not make hungry for life. Your motto. It's not good. I felt that was her weird stretch to be like, I am American. Give me a million dollars. She's like, look at this lace print, which is knives and forks. It's funny. I was like, no. I, by the, also when it came down the runway, I was like, I can't see it. It just looks like cut out something. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I, I think it's yeah. better that you don't see it's knives and forks. I did think that her like knives and forks patent sweater thing was pretty good. I was like, that mm-hmm. looks cool. That will be a big seller. And I think, well, I mean, you know, over that butterfly sweatshirt, my God. Butterfly sweatshirt. Oh, Johnny's butter. Uh, oh my god! Honey. I loved how in his fashion show. See, this is why it's so clear that he was Amazon's choice. Uh-huh. His her his clothes started coming out, and they were like, "Oh yes, this is beautiful." And then after three looks, they were like, "Huh?" And then they were like, "This isn't good." <laughs> and then he won. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. I did love how Naomi Campbell was fully laugh out loud during the fashion show because Nicole told a joke or something. She's just like all over the place. She's like, I'm sort of paying attention, but I'm actually just having a good time. Oh, my God. Naomi. Mm -hmm. I loved Naomi so much on this show. She's I loved when she I loved when she would get really emotional when a contestant would leave. Um, Yeah, that was nice. Uh, did you watch when Megan left? I do think that Megan should have been in the finale. Which one was Megan? She was the African American woman, and I think she was yes. she was a more interesting choice than Johnny. And I think that her clothes I are agree. very her clothes. She has a big market because her clothes are sellable. And for I like, think her clothes were so sellable. You know what? When she really shook me was when she talked when she brought out that alligator thing, and I was like, "No, that's not going to work." And then I was like, it works. I don't remember. She bought um, alligator, like, pleather and uh, put it on stuff. <laughs> put, it, put it on stuff. <laughs> you don't remember oh, it that? Was black, it was black. Black alligator. It was this alligator. huge. Yeah. yeah, because she was only putting it on one. And Tim right. was like, mm, that's a lot to just do on one. Maybe yeah. you should do it on all of it. And then she did it on all of it. And I was like, oh, Yeah. 
Absolutely. Did you, did you watch that episode where Tim had like a psychotic meltdown over that dress that the old Italian guy was making and then he cut it because he didn't like it and Tim was like, you've ruined my life, you've ruined your life. That dress was a moment. It was inspiration. It was one of the greatest no. pieces of fashion I've ever seen. And I was like, it was literally a cotton smock. What is going on? It was a wild I'll have one. to go back. If you can find <clears throat> that moment, I'll watch it. Okay. Brian Walker Page sent me um, lip sync for your lives that I hadn't seen, and um, we had a a lot of a lot of laugh out loud about that. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that was fun. Um, well, I just wanted us to catch up about this and 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 hear your hear your takes on it and and hear how you felt about it and yeah. Um, there was some okay, it, there was some okay clothes and some like a lot of clothes I didn't care about. Did you and Harriet talk about it? No, I don't know if Harriet's watching the show. Um, I do want to go ahead and um uh, to also briefly say if there's two movies to watch during this time, what they should be because I realized today the two movies that I think are imperative to watch during this time. Okay. Do you have two that you would suggest? Oh, do I have two movies? I don't know. I I don't know. Mine would be Melancholia. Uh-huh. And Alien. Okay. I fully feel that Alien is is a is definitely in a, in a pop wild wildly loved movie, but I think it may it may also be um, underrated. It's so incredible. It's the acting in it is the ensemble group acting in it is so incredible. It's really good. It's, it's my plan to rewatch it again today. As, as you said, that's one of my child ways of watching something. I've yeah. seen a million times, you but I think that female driven movies that you've seen a million times. I do. And I, in thinking about if I really actually feel that Ripley is my main character if it, if it was like personality test I'd be like it's actually this mm-hmm. there's a thing early on in the movie when they're being s- stewarded somewhere and um she goes that's not in our system and it sort of sing songs this way that <laughs> she's annoyed already <laughs> and I was like I have absolutely spoken to people like that right away when they're like well we also are going to do this I'm like that's not in our purview <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, what I would say? Okay, are you still talking about Alien and Macalia? Ma- no, no, Ma- I'm, I'm, I'm done talking. I'm done talking. Melancholia for obvious reasons, and then I'd also say Alien, which is all about. I mean, Ripley has the line: "If we break quarantine, we all die." And then people are like, "Well, I, I think did. we have to do this thing," and she gets so mad. And then the panic level that she needs to deal with for the remainder of the movie feel exactly what it was like me when I left New York City. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, what would your two movies be? I don't know. I would say watch The Talented Mr. Ripley. It's fun for the whole family. Oh. There's really nothing wrong with that movie except that it gets a little bit long, but it is, it's sort of pitch uh-huh. perfect from beginning to end in terms of music, clothes, acting, cinematography, the whole thing. It's just like you catch all these performers in like the best part of their career and it's a great story. So watch that. That's always, it's always a good time. Um, 
Watch the movie Big, if only to watch the scene where Tom wow. Hanks um, eats food at an adult uh, um, <laughs> reception, which is um, when he right. tries caviar and then he tries to understand what baby corn is. He, it's really some of the best physical acting you'll ever see. I really love the these dyads for us <laughs> of uh, uh, a kind of quick personality test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That yours would be big and talented, Mr. Ripley, and mine would be alien and melancholia. Um, on that note, ladies and other, we are going to take a break. Ladies and other, if you missed our live Chitty Chitty Cat Cat with Pam Tanowitz this past uh, Tuesday on our YouTube live stream, you can still watch it. It is on our YouTube channel, which is Dance and Stuff. Come on down. You know I love a YouTube. And after you watch us with Pam, you can watch a vintage reconstruction of a Marie Antoinette chemise. Or watch someone fix a Louis Vuitton suitcase. My favorites. All of all of that and more on the Yachtob. So like, subscribe, watch. What were you saying about we already have half what? We already have, you know, half of this episode done. We do? Yeah, because remember we did our recording about making the cut. Oh, wow. Forgot about that. (laughs) Which I think was, I don't know what day that was. Not a clue. I honestly can't remember. I just, I mean, I saw it when it happened and then you watched it a couple hours behind me and then we talked about it the next day. Right. And now it's days later and a lot has happened. Um, We did another live simulcast. Uh, Now we're switching to YouTube. YouTube. Um, YouTube Live. YouTube Live. And Um, uh, we did... uh, we're going to go back to Insta Live for one week to give Jeremy a break from the control room. Well, we, and it's not even to give Jeremy a break. Jeremy's not getting a break. Jeremy is doing all of Nutta Yerushalmi's, uh paramodernities uh, live stream with chats. Right. I guess is, I guess is what one could say. And I don't want to, I know who the speakers are, but I don't think they've been released yet. So I'm, I'm not going to say anything about it, except that I think it's going to be a really great event. Um, I'm. They literally have been released. <laughs> oh, the speak like in terms of who's speaking on what for what? Yes, it's all all over Instagram. You can know that Pam Tanowitz is speaking about Martha Graham, etc. Et so exciting, and Jack Halberstrom is really one of my favorites. And um, what is Jack speaking on? I don't know. All right. Well, so one of the four, five, or six. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Jeremy, I think Jeremy O'Harris is going to yes, be speaking. Yes, Jeremy is speaking as one of the speakers on one of them as well. Right. <laughs> Jeremy is speaking with me at Bard um, on May 6th. For one yes. of your classes, it's for it's for our thing that we have at Bard called Zocalo, which is the which is our meeting for the students. That's Wait, the, what's the name of that choreographer, Peter Zocalo? <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh, it's somebody. God, there's so many names. 
Well, you know, names really, people have children and lineages pass on. Um, and all of that happens. But at, at Bard, we have a, a, a meeting for all of our theater and performance students that we also offer for people from other students from the college to come on Wednesdays at six. And so, uh, Jeremy is going to be our, uh, final for that. Um, cause Jeremy and I would be in rehearsals right now, but we are not on Jeremy O'Hara. Sorry, rather. Jer- Jeremy, Jacob and I are very much trapped every, together. Ev- every day feels like some kind of rehearsal process here for sure. Yeah. Jeremy is relentlessly working on Netta's, uh, paramodernities. You must uh, start, you must start saying her name as, as she likes to be said. <laughs> which is Netta. Am I not enunciating the second part enough? That's right. You do. I'm you just, go. You go straight through it, Netta. I'm just. I'm just. Stream, I'm. I'm. Uh. I'm. I'm just streaming through it. Netta's. Think, think like Netta Porte. You know what I mean. Netta's. Uh, <laughs> uh, paramodernity. I can't. I can't keep saying what it is. All I. What I. Everyone knows what it is, and you can see it. And I'm looking forward to getting to see it since I didn't get to see it. Absolutely. Um, go to Jeremy Jacobs' Instagram. You'll get all the tea. Or go to Netta's Instagram. You'll get all the tea. And then you guys watch it. You're going to learn so much. You you are, and you're going to enjoy so much. I was. Um, so I moved. still need to get from Netta uh, her. She already knows. I want this. I want to see the piece that she did for Ailey. Two? For the Ailey, I think it was for the school for the college kids in the Fordham Ailey program, but Ailey's maybe it was for school. I'm not sure. That one, that clip was just really. I know with that amazing music. Yes, and composition, honey. Composition. Great, great dance. Well, you know what's interesting is that when I saw that dance, I was like, "This music!" And then I, uh-huh. I realized later that Bo Burnham had used that music in that wonderful scene from Eighth Grade where she shows up at the pool party. I didn't then, see Eighth Grade. Oh, Jack, it's so good. Really? I felt just, I, I could, I don't know what it was. It was energetic. It was, I couldn't feel, um, I couldn't feel attracted to it for some reason. I don't know what it was. I know. Well, try it out. See, see how it goes. It's, um, great performances by the actors and. Is it a female lead? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, that's good. I mean, she's in eighth grade. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Strong female protagonist. Strong female woman of 13 years old. Uh-huh, um, okay. And there's great characters, great acting, and it's heartbreaking, truly. And it's about, you know, it's about, it's about how iPhones are, like, ruining children's lives. Mmm. Yes, the iPhone. Have you, speaking of iPhones and media and discussion of iPhone, have you been watching the new season of Kidding with Jim Carrey? No. Did you watch the original season? No. I I understand how we feel about Jim Carrey, but it is the second season <laughs> is truly incredible. Now, there, just give me a quick. What's the premise? What are we What are we talking about? Uh, Kidding is about a. It's about a. And a man who has a TV show that's kind of a la Mr. Rogers and <laughs> Mr. Rogers and one of his children <laughs> dies oh, and boy. it begins a shattering process for him that 
uh, goes in and out of his sort of fantasy and reality world. And uh, it also plays with time in a really interesting way that I think if you, if people loved Russian Doll and Watchmen, I feel this is a good show to watch. Um, It has phenomenal performances in it. Uh, There's also some really brilliant uh, filmmaking inside of it and so, and and really great script work that there's a little girl the his sister is played by Katherine Keener and she makes all the puppets for the show I love her and she reads you're gonna watch the show for her and then she has a daughter who you're gonna be obsessed with all right well I'm excited yeah it's very oh. it's it's a that's that's one that's one to put on and and watch I'm sorry I didn't watch this movie Heart and Souls is Meryl Streep in that no, wait, let me go back to Kidding for one second. Is Kidding, is it HBO? How do we watch it? It's on Showtime. Show, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually have Showtime on my television, which is in this house. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have Showtime in my real life. I have Showtime because I'm in a house that has cable. So. Yeah, Showtime. Like, because one of I actually sh- have like a TV. That's the thing about being in a house. I mean, I don't. Who ha- like people don't have TVs in their apartments in New York, do no, they? No, no, no. Someone does. Yeah, someone does. Older people. Um, Showtime has one of their various stations. They show like softcore sex movies where people like pretend they're having sex in the night. You know what I mean? And in okay. my mind, I'm like, I'm just like. I'm just- <laughs> I, your description of that channel is incredible. There's a channel where it's softcore porn movies of people having sex, you know, in the night. I believe that's verbatim. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I'm just like, what, would anybody Is that what you keep this? on at night while you're to- like making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? No, no, no. I, it does make me curious though, why, why anybody would watch it when you can literally just go to your computer and watch the real thing. It's interesting. But maybe people like it that it's fake. When you were a kid... I remember when I was a kid growing up in a house that had TV that didn't have cable, but you'd get like a week of cable as like a test out. They'd be like, you know, to try and lure you in Uh to wanting cable. And there would be those soft core porn things that would come on at like 1 a.m. on Showtime or Cinemax, which then I was right. Skinemax. And I remember me and uh my cousins Jordan and Samantha sneaking down to watch one one night and being you know like shook shocked and oh, also yeah. like laughing hysterically wow mm-hmm. well because the scripts were always I mean even at eight we thought those scripts were hysterical <laughs> you know where someone would like fling open a door and be like oh my god I guess my nighties wet you know like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a real it's a it's I saw a play once I think I've talked about on this book it was when I was 18 at Williamstown and this experimental director who did a play no everyone was fully dressed and uh, it was set up to be kind of a murder mystery but they only used scripts that had been taken from porns. Oh, um, this is 97. I'm sure it's been done since in a, some way that's like toured all over the world or something. But I, remember thinking, I remember thinking, this is pretty good. It's yeah. pretty smart. Last night, um, Crimson Peak was on one of the Showtime channels. And that's something you can definitely have on in the background. It's, it's really it's good fun. Crimson Peak. I mean, I just watched something. Oh, I watched I quickly 
fast forwarded through it part two um just oh. because i like watching jessica chastain yeah. And I like watching <laughs> Jessica Chastain. <laughs> you're, you're drift on, yeah. I just really, I'm really into it. I, 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 I'm here for the iconography of it. And Jessica Chastain's performance in Crimson Peak, I remember seeing it with Matthew Fletcher. Mm. We went to go see it together. And we laughed. I remember when she appears playing the piano and Matthew mm. out loud said, you in the in the movie theater because she turns around <laughs> looking like angry as hell in a full black dress and i remember matthew just screaming you yeah we laughed so hard in that movie ah uh, what about that sexy tom middleston hiddleston H- 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 i think it's hiddleston i really wanted to call him tom riddle and i remember that's just christian colson in harry potter and the chambermaid's tale uh-huh, um uh-huh. uh Tom yes, Hiddleston. Yes, Tom, Tom Hiddleston. They haven't painted. They haven't painted optic white in this movie, which is interesting. And then uh, Jessica Chastain stabs him right in his face at the end, right in his little face. Is that what kills him? Um. Well, she stabs him somewhere else as well. But then she, the final, the final blade goes into his cheek, just below his eye, next to his nose. And I think that uh-huh. really does it. That really gets to his she brain. She gets his brain. Because I remember his eye filling up with blood. blood. Yeah. Uh-huh. I also love Maya Wachowski. What, Maya? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Mia Wasikowska. I love her. <laughs> Maya? Wachowski. <laughs> this is also how I talk about my best friends. <laughs> yeah, I have a podcast with my friend Breed Rartlemy. People are like, what? <laughs> she's yeah. really she's really good. And the wardrobe in that movie is wonderful. The I want you scene. to name me one movie that Mia's not incredible in. She's always good. You can't do it. She's absolutely... She's so incredible. And I feel underrated. I well, feel- I think she, I think she does, she does whatever she wants, but I just uh-huh. think she, she doesn't do a lot because I think she understands that Hollywood is criminal, trash. You know, the fact that movie stars like get paid twenty million dollars or whatever is like, like for what exactly? For- she is absolutely like it's. I know it's not a competition, but it's like always her over Sersha Ronan for me. Like I'm, I'm like I believe Mia and literally I, every film I've seen her in though I love and will always stand by and think she was sir she was absolutely incredible in Hannah oh interesting yeah I prefer Mia but she doesn't get the she's not getting the big Hollywood ingenue things anymore but she was tremendous in Jane Eyre she was great in the kids are all right you know she's she's really good I sobbed at her performance in Jane Eyre oh So amazing. I mean, her and I, you know, maps to the stars. If as people have heard me talk about on this podcast a lot, no one saw that movie, unfortunately, and it's really one to see. I saw it. I saw it. So good. I watched it twice in a row. We were in Hawaii when I was so sick with what I'm really hoping was COVID nineteen. I'm really hoping that when I was that sick, Mm -hmm. and but I don't know how. But we don't know how long those antibodies work, even if you have had it. You know, Why don't you say. get yourself to a WebMD and get that test? 
No, not WebMD. What's it Bat called? Was City. <laughs> incredible. Just get yourself to WebMD. You know, just go to WebMD, prick your yeah. finger, drop it on your phone, and it'll let you know. <laughs> it'll absolutely yeah, let get you in know. Get your car, drive through the <sighs> internet. <laughs> drive i love that i mean that's for real i remember that incredible woman who i loved this documentary it came out last year i think who was like all you got to do is just poke your finger and put a drop of blood into a little bag and then we'll you know every kind of will oh, work to a full my god she pre-cancer spring uh screening on you what happened she, to her where is she she's she's like hi- she's hiding so she doesn't have to go to jail or whatever because she was such a oh liar. she has to go to jail it was amazing. I mean, she jail. Incredible. She's going to go to prison. She's going to go to a white collar prison. That was, what was her name? And the documentary was called. Blood, blood work. machines. It was the documentary was called blood work. It was called work up. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was called the blood workover. Um, yeah. It was really, she, oh God. And listening to her talk, I loved how she affected her voice. Well, oh the reason God. that we know that is because of blah, blah, blah. I was she like, was I have... Do you think her name was Laura? Do you think her name was Catherine? I don't know what her name was. And as, as we can tell from this podcast, I clearly don't know what who anyone's... Yeah, don't I don't know anyone's name, obviously. But, well, can, um, can I, I'm going to say some names that will give you flashbacks, right? Okay. Because okay. Heart, I'm, oh, heart, I love flashbacks. Heart and Souls. This mm-hmm. is a movie from 1993. Okay. okay. So we're talking Robert Downey Jr. at peak beauty, 27 years old. Peak uh-huh. Robert Downey Jr. is a forever wood for me. Uh-huh. And he gives a, an amazing performance. And I read that he actually really enjoyed making this movie, which I think you can tell. He's having a good time. Now, the I don't know if I should give you the premise of them. I'm just going to give you a very loose premise because I really Why don't actually... you not tell me the premise and only tell me the names of the people who are in okay, it? Okay, so perfect, I can, perfect. Because I'm really into any element of surprise these okay. days. So Elizabeth Shue giving Love. just one of her normal performances. She's Love. Adventures the... in Babysitting. Incredible. Yeah, true. That was her best, best acting. Ugh, I mean, I'll never forget it. Though they didn't nominate her for that. They nominated her for Leaving Las Vegas. She had to be <gasps> a drug, you know. She was... Incredible in Leaving Las Vegas, but I God, it's hard to remember because I thought when I was a child, like all these movies. <laughs> I love watching movies about drug addicts when I'm a child. <laughs> well, I mean, I literally remember I I've talked about this, like watching the grifters with my mother when I was ten and being like, wow. So this is about a movie. I remember turning to my mom being like, So she's been having sex with her son? And my mom was like, Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, okay, get ready. So then we have Charles Grodin. Mm-mm-mm. He'll come to you. I'm, I'm going to say, um, remember that Mm-mm. movie Clifford with Martin Short? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, I think Charles Grodin also plays the father in Beethoven about the large dog. Mm-mm. Okay. I'd never, I didn't, I'm not into movies that are about animals unless it's Pet Cemetery or Cujo or Jaws or, you know, Okay, so we're pets. skipping from uh-huh. Charles Grodin. We're going to Tom Sizemore. Do you remember Tom Sizemore? <sighs> Help me out. <laughs> this is deep 1990s. I honestly couldn't name another movie he's in, but he was in a lot. Mm-mm, I can't do it. It sounds okay. familiar, but I can't do it. Mm-mm. Now we're going to people whose names you will know. We're going to go to Alfre Woodard. Mm. Okay. That's okay. familiar. 
Jack. Uh huh. <laughs> Do you remember the movie Miss Firecracker with Holly Hunter? Oh my God! Well, it's an incredible Beth Henley play called yeah. "The Miss Firecracker yes. Contest," made of, into an yeah. amazing movie with yes. Holly Hunter, Tim uh-huh. Met, what's his name, Robbins, Mary Steenburgen, and mm-hmm. Alfre Woodard. Okay. Okay. Anyways, you'll have to take my word for it. I believe you. The, and the last person, Kira Sedgwick. Ah, <gasps> oh, which you know my story about Kira Sedgwick. No, I don't. I did once see her at an Anne Live Young show with Kevin. Oh, I love that. Going to see art. Um, I um I don't think the story is for this podcast. Oh <laughs> I, I, I think it's I think it's gonna have to be an offline. Wow, I, to do yeah. with Kira Sedgwick and we can't talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean I saw her, she didn't see me, and I was going through a really embarrassing moment. Oh, well, she um, she was in that movie Phenomenon with John Travolta, which in the mid to late 90s really had an effect on me for some reason. I was like, I so don't sad? remember that movie. It's a movie about a regular guy who gets a brain tumor and it makes him totally genius, but it's mm-hmm. also killing him. Mm-hmm. And he's in a relationship with Kira Sedgwick and she's mm-hmm. dealing with the fact that he's getting brilliant, but he's also going to die. Did you ever see Lucy? This is um with Scarlett Johansson. Okay, no. It sounds very similar. Yes, I did. Where I did. uh she is also be- becoming like alpha brilliant uh but is going to have to she well she doesn't quite die, she just turns into information. I think that John Travolta as well sort of turns into like powder, you know. Yeah, I feel like it's powder and I didn't see either powder or phenomenon. Wow, I feel in Jack, powder where that were like you? I was, as we know, I only like movies with a strong female protagonist. And that was all I was watching at that time. And I've never liked John Travolta. Like, I've just always have never just, I've just never bought it. Like, I, if I had to choose between like some closet case, I chose Tom Cruise. And Mm -hmm. um, because I was both like, these are closet cases, but I'm going to go with this other guy because he really lets the neurosis flourish. Ugh. On screen, flourish. On flourish. On like on TV, as I was flipping through channels in some fugue state, uh, that remake of Hairspray came on, which uh-huh. it's so weird because you think about Michelle Pfeiffer and Christopher Walken, who have been in Batman Returns together, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're watching them here. It's very confusing, and then John Travolta. Dancing around in drag and dancing, dancing, dancing her little heart out. And it Can you just... Imagine? I don't think even now, even 10 years later, they, that would be allowed to put John Travolta in fat suit drag. I don't, I don't know. Well, I remember even when I saw the movie feeling like it should, it was being billed as like comedy musical, but I also felt slash horror. Uh, because uh, yeah, yeah. it felt absolutely... There was a way in which he was doing drag that felt, that really, like, frightened me. Yes, Um, he looked like a Cabbage Patch Kid, but enormous. Yeah, but also how he was like, oh, my, it was what he did with his, it was what he did with his voice. So much better, Divine was in drag, but was being Divine, and it was Divine. Divine is a goddess, and Divine is 
a genius artist who was able to be sort of all things at once. I mean, it's just, there's not even a comparison. For John Travolta our, is the, For, for uh, our child listeners who've not seen the original John Waters Hairspray, you have to watch it go back and also know that that would be like his commercial success so there are films that are really important like female i think female trouble is probably my favorite (laughs) it's just i better get those cha-cha heels i mean oh my god female trouble is and i saw female trouble when i was a teenager and i remember it really i also saw pink flamingos when i was a teenager which was really really shocking Ooh. that's that's the most i that's pretty up there with in terms of in terms of shock but i think female trouble treat yourself and watch female trouble the world of the heterosexual is a boring and sad life i think it's one of the lines from <laughs> when his when the the aunt of this of the cool straight but queer guy is like oh, there's a really nice guy at the hair salon for you to have sex. And he's like, I've told you I'm straight. And she goes, oh, I don't want you to be straight. The world of a heterosexual is a sad and boring life. She says something you, like do that. Do you think that this is a sad thing that I'm about to say? That I Go once for it. was I was once in Zurich and went to a John Waters retrospective at the main art museum in Zurich. Is that sad? I think that's great. I think, I mean, John Waters' whole thing, I think, is really brilliant, which is... Um, I don't know. I feel isn't it sad to have like straight white Europeans wandering around an exhibit and being like interesting? Well, I don't think John Waters probably thought about that. I think John was like, "Oh, I want to make these things," and he made them. And some gallus was like, "I think I could sell them," and he was like, "Great, I love money." You know, I mean, John also made these films for like it's. I mean, talk about I. You know, you just posted those two clips of meat, which. We made, as people that know, was, in a living room for $3,000. That was your John Waters moment. <laughs> I mean, I had a few of them back back then. It was, I was speaking yeah. with someone, re- someone asked to speak with me recently just about my work, and they, it was a younger person asked some questions, and I was like, well, I really kind of stopped doing full nudity, like bleeding on stage, I think at 30. But, um, I think, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, John Waters was making those those early films for nothing, and they're incredible and feel relieving and cathartic. And then what was interesting is that years later, I mean, John, I, I think Parker talked about this when we interviewed her on the podcast. I mean, John was trying to get this amazing musical made about orphans who live in the sewers, and it was going to be Parker and Johnny Knoxville, Oh and God. it was like a take on musicals with kids and except they're like these sewer kids and couldn't get the funding for it, well. you know, but can get a remake <laughs> of Hairspray. I mean, but I'm like, why not? Well, and I have this kind of hope that then maybe it could happen on something like HBO or Showtime or Amazon. I don't know. Maybe now, maybe. I mean, I feel like if if like Jordan Firstman pitched that to like um, Queer Network or whatever the networks are called, that mm. maybe maybe they'd give him a few thousand dollars to get together his like his best New York stand up millennial comics to do that. You know, well, L.A. I mean, a lot of oh, Los Angeles. She's Jordan's Jordan's in Los Angeles. Um, yes. Which is, uh, 
Which, speaking of Los Angeles and TV and whatever, what's going on with that um, dance show Barton's on? We should have Barton back on again. When's that coming out? Why isn't everything just being released right now? I, I mean, why? Release Wonder release, Woman now. They have to release Wonder Woman to our living rooms. Uh, they have to release it now. I need it. And um, I, I, I weirdly need to see Mulan as well. I also want to see that. I also want to see, as we talked about in our last, if we're going to talk a little bit about dance, I, I would like NYCB to open up some of the catalog, namely moves. Um, I also think Stravinsky Violin Concerto is one that everyone should be able to see start to finish. And It would be nice if they were taking requests, but they are releasing two ballets a week, Jack. So, <laughs> Yes, I just like them to be. In fact, tonight, when this podcast is released, you can tune in at 8 p.m. Eastern time to watch Ballo della Regina, which is a lovely little, it's a, it's a short ballet. It was made for Meryl Ashley and it has some extraordinarily challenging point work and it has right. some four beautiful little solos for soloist women that I really love. So do we know who, who are, who are in it for it? I don't know, tonight? but I'm going to, I'm going to guess that it's going to be Megan Fairchild and uh-huh. Anthony Huxley, but I, don't quote me because uh. I actually don't know. Love Anthony, loved, loved watching Anthony Huxley. And Megan. Megan is in. Oh, absolutely. In the, I mean, I feel like that goes without saying. She's having a renaissance. I mean, she's really, it's, wow. It all feels so far away because you know what? It is. Um, <laughs> let's pretend, let's do pretend. Uh, let's pretend that this goes on for another three years. Okay. Uh what do you envision yourself doing for the next uh, three years? Okay, well, During there's grad school, which will take mm-hmm. up a certain number of months of that. Mm-hmm. And also, like, it'll take up, you know, a year and a half of thought, which is good. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something to do. Mm-hmm. Now, three years, inter- I'll be destitute, quite frankly. Although I, I did hear... Recently, a friend of mine who's a dancer uh, managed to get through to unemployment and so was getting the whatever $400 from them and also qualified for the pandemic relief fund and got that, which was, and so grand total making almost $1,000 a week. One can live off that. I could more than live. That's twice, basically twice as much as I make in a year. So I was like, so wow, I'd be rich if I could get on unemployment. So if I can actually get on unemployment, I'll be okay. I'll mm-hmm. really be okay. You just need to get through to it. Yeah. And I, uh, so, okay. So that's finances is uh-huh. get through to unemployment. Um, I imagine there'll be like more, ever more digital commission kind of things. Like people reaching out to be like, can you design a costume to send to this person to, you know, like, can you do digital fittings? I don't know. Um, my real dream is that, not a dream. <laughs> it's really not a dream. But the question is, can I monetize all of this content that we're putting out into the YouTube and the Instagram? <clears throat> sure. Yes. I mean, it, it's such a beating a dead horse about uh, the work that we that we do with dance and stuff, as well as the work, obviously, that you're, you and Harriet are doing. And um, I think... And Jeremy is clearly working more and more digitally and working with people in the dance world digitally. And yeah, I think I think that is a question and, and yet to be seen. Do you know what we've almost been doing for three years? This podcast. 
Oh my God, Jack, I didn't even for one second understand that that's what you were segueing into. I well, I didn't either until I was thinking about it because I was also realizing, wait, this is our 150th episode. Literally. And we've done this for 150 weeks. Which means and in six weeks, it'll be three years. That is really, really wild. Our three-year anniversary. I think for a three-year anniversary, you are given um, a bundle of uh, white willow sticks. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Okay. Wrapped with a silver ribbon. I think that's what one gets for their third-year anniversary. Um, Today is Jeremy's birthday. And today, which listeners, as you're listening to it, it'll be not today, is Jeremy's birthday. Indeed. The, it's read and I are recording this on Thursday. Uh, Send him April 30th. Thanks. Send Each him belated and thanks of, and his Venmo is Jeremy Jacob. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Venmo him and send him belated thanks on Instagram because this podcast is nothing. It doesn't exist without him. It absolutely does not exist without Jeremy. It's really true. Because God knows. I don't understand. I can't. I've been trying for two days to make an audio file in GarageBand and have yet to figure it out. Can't do it. So. Wow. I know. I need to really, like, I know I'm going to grad school, like, to discuss dance theory, but what I really should do is go to, like, Apex Technical School to learn how to use a computer. Like, fully. Just, as you said it, just that flash of Apex Technical School in Chelsea came up in front of my eyes so hard because I remember passing it every day that I was going to the Kane School of Core Integration, which is now called Connected (laughs) for Pilates. (gasps) And being like, uh, yeah, big time. Thank you, Kelly Kane. Kelly Kane is a guest that we should really have. Oh my God, that would be really fun. Because Kelly really did deal with. The Cunninghams, the Trishas, like that, like those, all those dancers were coming in and being like, um, I am broken. Yeah. I, um, I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, well, what, what else is there to say? I, um, um, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that can be it. I, I think we've we have we have gone over we we talked about some movies we briefly talked about some dance that one could watch online yeah. which is NYCB and it was nice to throw that surprise birthday party for that I did for Joe Walsh this past week and talk oh my God, about I, that that was really good Jack that was tremendous I had such a nice Jane and I watched it over dinner and we had a really good time oh I'm so glad I also did that for Riley Watts on on Riley's birthday if I if I get cued in that at someone's birthday then I try and do an insta live bomb I've had a couple couple of them. I mean, I generally, I, I vacillate between um, intensely private or a manic episode on Instagram. Yeah. So it's, um, I, I did a, th- I did a thing yesterday that I think you'll appreciate Jack. I'm so excited about it. And, and can you tell I, me about it in front of our listeners? Or is yeah, it yeah, I'm going to do it event? right now. No, I'm going to do okay. it right now with our listeners because I'm ready. it's just a little something to jar your memories. And I'm going to, not everyone can be included because there's so many, but we've had, a lot of guests over the three years, a lot. Yeah. And many of them were wonderful. And I mean, I can't say there's even one I didn't like, you know, we've Loved. had a wonderful time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But here, I'm just going to go through some names so you can go down memory lane. Are you ready? Ready. 
Okay, I'm going to start with, um, and I've done them in categories. And the, the, this category is red underlined, and I called it links to history. Okay. okay. So I have Parker Posey, Isaac Mizrahi, Lar Lubavitch, Robert LaFosse, Miki Orihara, Peter Sparling, Wendy Whalen. Links to history. Do you know Incredible. what I mean? Yeah. 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 Okay. Then I have um, I have a, sh- a small category called commercial, which is a really fun category. And, and there we have uh, Christina Larson, our Rockette, who we love. Right. Heather Lang, genius. Ryan Walker Page, Martha Nichols. Great. Can you imagine? Yes, who also have had such deep crossover. I mean, certainly, um, like when I think of Heather's work with Beth and, and Ryan's work uh, with uh, some of her witchier people too, it's like, but there was, they were so wise to be like, you know what, also this can and needs to be translated into a way that could have yeah. some monetary something behind it. I left one person off the links to history, which was Jennifer Goggins, who also fits into a category with Melissa Tugut. And I also have to say, in links to history, did you put Linda Murray in there? Well, she's another category, which is, uh, well, she is also a link to history, but she's in our, like, miscellany category, which is Paige Lapari, mm. Lin- Linda, Leslie Farlow, um, uh, Lindsay Mack, Anula, Erin Markey. Call but Linda your... Murray and Leslie Farlow are absolutely linked to history. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like one, they should have gotten Les- a red Les- Leslie begins uh, the AIDS World History Project, and and Linda is is our link to dance history at Jerome Robbins yeah. Dance Division. And then also in this sort of miscellany category of people who don't fit into dance categories are Milk, our friend Dan oh, Donegan, the drag queen, yes. Anthony Roth Costanzo and Tiffany yes. Aubin, opera singers. Yes. Jibs Cameron. Yes. Dynasty Handbag. What a relief. What a catharsis. Peter, Peter Smith. We love them. Also a relief. A catharsis. Aaron Markey. We love Aaron them. Aaron Markey. Collier mm-hmm. Shore. <clears throat> um, Jean-Marc Puissant, fat costume designer. All miscellaneous. Perfume right. genius. And then into our the our ballet stars category, which have been many. Patricia Delgado, Isabella Boylston, Biscuit Ballerina, Shelby Williams, James Whiteside, Drew Jacoby, Russell Jansen, the Praetorius people from Royal Danish Ballet, we love them. Teresa Reichlin, Taylor Stanley, Sarah Mearns, Adrian Danchig Waring, stars them all. Joseph Walsh. Joseph Walsh and Lauren Strongin. So many stars. So many stars. Um, and then we've had um, uh, our modern dance category is illustrious, I would say. Pantanowitz, Jamar Roberts, Katie Pyle, Jess Pretty, Terry O'Connor, Ash Jurgens, Netta Yerushalmi, Abby Zabukowski, Kyle Abraham, Larissa Villas Jackson, Adrian Trescott, David Thompson. Mariah Evans, uh, Burr Johnson, Lloyd Knight, on and on and on and on. And, and on. never forget my psychological sister, Beth Gill. Ugh, Beth Gill, I actually have circled with a red circle and a star next to her name. <laughs> Wait, can you tell me exactly, were you writing this out? 
with like a, a colored pencil and like I, drawing okay, so next I to it. I wrote them all. I'll send a picture of this to you. I wrote them I'm all out very in excited black, to see black ink. And then mm. I put, I underlined in different colors of ink. And then I did black stars. I can't wait to see it. And I will post it. And um, I love that project because our handwriting does say so much. No one will ever see my handwriting. It is small and cryptic. It's uh it's really I I I write in the the tiniest little witchy wow. writing as possible unless I'm taking a note about something or if I'm like if I have to go and like if someone asks me to come to the rehearsal and take notes I can write without looking down and and understand what I've said but it does look yeah. psychotic. I I would hate to to leave out Jen Harris who was one of our most exciting episodes. Oh well we have to I mean that gets into our actor category. Well, also our Harriet, who's been one of our most frequent contributors, whether or not it was her own episode, she seems to pop up almost weekly. Harriet certainly has popped up. And in our actor category, there's also Matthew Wilkes. Um, I feel we've spoken to other actors. Well, Peter Smith and Parker are also actors. Absolutely. And, and, and Tina Satter is an incredible director. And I really, I who is also for a bit, we were like, is this going to be our correspondent with us? Wait, can I just say she also has a black star, but it's a bit smudged out because it was over a piece of scotch tape. I mean, really, I don't even know why that scotch tape was there, but the crafts, the crafts do somehow make sense to me. I can picture that you're set up for it. It's, and, it's index cards. And uh, obsessed, and we have to, at some point, interview Emily Davis. I mean. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, and also, thank you so much for over these years to our contributors who've appeared for mere seconds on the podcast. Like, all the people from the pandemic episode, from around the world, and and people from weddings and various other events who've popped in just to be a soundbite. Thank you, Sufjan Stevens and Doris Andre. And oh, right, when you did Justin Peck's wedding. I mean, it's yeah. really, it's been, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, this is our 150th episode, and we've done this for many reasons, and uh, we're hoping that it is helping you through, that it's as, as it has helped you, may it continue to help you. Uh, now as well to feel connected absolutely we love you all there's i didn't love everybody but you're all equally important and well you can't we have we have how many guests total did you count like i don't 90 or something but yeah i know it's floating around 100 but it's uh, it's on our website well also jeremy has just done an incredible redesign of our website have you seen it i had never seen it till yesterday as i as i I, I referred to it for the list of names. It was beautiful. Jeremy just did a full, beautiful redesign of the website. All of the guests are there, their pictures, their bios, the the links to it. And we're also uploading our uh, podcasts to YouTube so that they can be closed captioned. Uh, so that uh, for the hearing impaired, if you know someone who might love the podcast but wouldn't be able to listen to it. We are working on getting it all up onto YouTube for it to be closed captioned. Yes. And so for those of you who are <clears throat> um, watching our lives, you can come to us this week for a very casual live on Tuesday on Instagram. And then the following Tuesday, we'll be back on YouTube on YouTube, probably with yeah. a guest, which is yes. Yes. I know who the guest is. Anyhow. Um, 
Uh, well, and also don't forget to Venmo Jeremy. It's Jeremy Jacob uh, on uh, Venmo for for his birthday, and um, uh, we love him and we loves and you. He loves you very much. Thank you for all your support. <laughs>